Let us pray. Remember your mercies, O Lord, and with your eternal protection sanctify your servants, for whom Christ your Son, by the shedding of his blood, established the Paschal mystery, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God for ever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. See, my servant will prosper. He shall be lifted up, exalted, rise to great heights. As the crowds were appalled in seeing him, so disfigured did he look that he seemed no longer human. So will the crowds be astonished at him and kings stand speechless before him. For they shall see something never told and witness something never heard before. Who could believe what we have heard and to whom has the power of the Lord been revealed? Like a sapling, he grew up in front of us, like a root in arid, arid ground. Without beauty, without majesty, we saw him, no looks to attract our eyes, a thing despised and rejected by men and women, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, a man to make people screen their faces. He was despised, and we took no account of him. And yet ours were the sufferings he bore, ours the sorrows he carried. But we thought of him as someone punished, struck by God and brought low. Yet he was pierced through for our faults, crushed for our sins. On him lies a punishment that brings us peace and through his wounds we are healed. We'd all gone astray like sheep, each taking their own way, and the Lord burdened him with the sins of us all. Harshly dealt with, he bore it humbly. He never opened his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughterhouse, like a sheep that is dumb before its shearers, never opening its mouth. By force and by law he was taken. Would anyone plead his cause? Yet he was torn away from the land of the living, for our faults struck down in death. They gave him a grave with the wicked, a tomb with the rich, though he had done no wrong, and there had been no perjury in his mouth. The Lord has been pleased to crush him with suffering. If he offers his life in atonement, he shall see his heirs, he shall have a long life, and through him what the Lord wishes will be done. His soul's anguish over, he shall see the light and be content. By his, by his sufferings shall my servant justify many, taking their faults on himself. Hence, I will grant whole hordes for his tribute, 
I shall divide the spoil with the mighty for surrendering himself to death and letting himself be taken for a sinner while he was bearing the faults of many and praying all the time for sinners. The Word of the Lord A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Since in Jesus, the Son of God, we have the Supreme High Priest, who has gone through to the highest heaven, we must never let go of the faith that we have professed. For it's not as if we had a High Priest who was incapable of feeling our weaknesses with us, but we have one who has been tempted in every way that we are, though he is without sin. Let us be confident then, in approaching the throne of grace, that we shall have mercy from him and find grace when we are in need of help. During his life on earth, he offered up prayer and entreaty, aloud and in silent tears, to the one who had power to save him out of death. And he submitted so humbly that his prayer was heard, Although he was son, he learnt to obey through suffering. But having been made perfect, he became for all who obey him the source of eternal salvation. The Word of the Lord.
The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to John Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. There was a garden there, and he went into it with his disciples. Judas, the traitor, knew the place well, since Jesus had often met his disciples there, and he brought the cohort to this place, together with a detachment of guards sent by the chief priests and the Pharisees, all with lanterns, torches and weapons. Knowing everything that was going to happen to him, Jesus then, then came forward and said, Who are you looking for? They answered, Jesus the Nazarene. He said, I am he. Now Judas, the traitor, was standing among them. When Jesus said, I am he, they moved back and fell to the ground. He asked them a second time, Who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus replied, I have told you that I am he. If I am the one you're looking for, let these others go. This was to fulfil the words he had spoken. Not one of those you gave me have I lost. Simon Peter, who carried a sword, drew it and wounded the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back in its scabbard. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? The cohort, cohort and its captain and the Jewish guards seized Jesus and bound him. They took him first to Annas, because Annas was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had suggested to the Jews, it's better for one man to die for the people. Simon Peter, with another disciple, followed Jesus. This disciple, who was known to the high priest, went with Jesus into the high priest's palace. But Peter stayed outside the door. So the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who was keeping the door, and brought Peter in. The maid on the duty at the door said to Peter, Aren't you another of that man's disciples? He answered, I am not. Now it was cold, and the servants and the guards had lit a charcoal fire and were standing there warming themselves. So Peter stood there too, warming himself with the others. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teachings. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly for all the world to hear. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where all the Jews meet together. I have said nothing in secret. But why ask me? My hearers, ask my hearers what I taught. They know what I said. At these words, one of the guards standing by gave Jesus a slap in the face, saying, Is that the way to answer the high priest? Jesus replied, If there is something wrong in what I said, point it out. But if there is no offence in it, 
why do you strike me? Inanis sent him still bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. As Simon Peter stood there warming himself, someone said to him, Aren't you another of his disciples? He denied it, saying, I am not. And one of the high priest's servants, a relation of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Again Peter denied it. And at once the cock crew. They then led Jesus from the house, to Caiapha, the house of Caiaphas to the praetorium. It was now morning. They did not go into the praetorium themselves, or they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. So Pilate came outside to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? And they replied, If you were not a criminal, we should not be handing him over to you. And Pilate said, Take him yourselves and try him by your own law. The Jesus, then the Jews answered, We're not allowed to put a man to death. This was to fulfil the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the way that he was going to die. So Pilate went back to the praetorium and then called Jesus to him and asked, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, Do you ask this of your own accord, or have others spoken to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? It's your own people and the chief priests who have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, Mine is not the kingdom of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my men would have fought to prevent me being surrendered to it. But my kingdom is not of this kind. Pilate said, So you are a king then? And Jesus answered, It's you who say it. Yes, I am a king. I was born for this. I came into the world for this, to bear witness to the truth. And all who are on the side of truth listen to my voice. Pilate said, Truth, what is that? And with that he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no case against him, but according to a custom of yours, I should release one prisoner at the Passover. Would you like me then to release the king of the Jews? And at this they shouted, Not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a brigand. Pilate then had Jesus taken away and scourged. And after this, the soldiers twisted some thorns into a crown and put it on his head and dressed him in a purple robe. They kept on coming up to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Pilate came outside again and said to them, Look, I am going to bring him out to you and let you see that I find no case. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple. Pilate said, Here is the man. And when they saw him, the chief priests and the guards shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I can find no case against him. The Jews replied, 
We have a law, and according to the law he ought to die, because he has claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard them say this, his fears increased. Re-entering the praetorium, he said to Jesus, Where do you come from? But Jesus made no answer, and Pilate said to him, Are you refusing to speak to me? Surely you know I have power to release you and I have power to crucify you. Jesus replied, You'd have no power over me if it had not been handed it had not been given to you from above. That's why the one who handed me over to you has the greater guilt. From that moment, Pilate was anxious to set him free. But the Jews shouted, If you set him free, you are no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who makes himself king is defying Caesar. Hearing these words, Pilate had Jesus brought out and seated himself on the chair of judgment at a place called the pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was Passover preparation day, about the sixth hour. Pilate said to the Jews, Here is your king. They said, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said, Do you want me to crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king except Caesar. So in the end, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. They then took charge of Jesus, and carrying his own cross, he went out of the city to the place of the skull, or as it was called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him with two others, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate wrote out a notice and had it fixed to the cross. It ran, Jesus the Nazarene, King of the Jews. This notice was read by many of the Jews because, because the place where Jesus was crucified was not far from the city and the writing was in Hebrew, Latin and Greek. So the Jewish chief priests said to Pilate, You should not write King of the Jews, but this man said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had finished crucifying Jesus, they took his clothing and divided it into four shares, one for each soldier. His undergarments were seamless, woven in one piece from neck to hem. So they said to one another, instead of tearing it, let's throw dice to decide who is to have it. And in this way, the words of scripture were fulfilled. They shared out my clothing among them. They cast lots for my clothes. This is exactly what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Copas, and Mary of Magdala. Seeing his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her, Jesus said to his mother, Woman, this is your son. Then to the disciple, he said, this is your mother. And from that moment, the disciple made a place for her 
in his home. After this, Jesus knew everything had now been completed. And to fulfil the scriptures perfectly, he said, I am thirsty. A jar full of vinegar stood there. So putting a sponge soaked in vinegar on a hyssop stick, he held it up to his mouth. After Jesus had taken the vinegar, he said, It is accomplished. And bowing his head, he gave up the spirit. It was preparation day and to prevent the bodies remaining on the cross during the Sabbath, since the Sabbath day was a day of special solemnity, the Jews asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken away. Consequently, the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with him and then of the other. When they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead and so instead of breaking his legs, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a lance, and immediately there came out blood and water. This is the evidence of one who saw it. Trustworthy evidence. And he knows he speaks the truth. And he gives it so that you may believe as well. Because all this happened to fulfil the words of the scripture. Not one, of, not one bone of his will be broken. And again, in another, another place, Scripture says, they will look in the one whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one, because he was afraid of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him remove the body of Jesus. Pilate gave permission, so they came and took it away. Nicodemus came as well, the same one who had first come to Jesus at night time. And he brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, following the Jewish burial, burial custom. At the place where he'd been crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been buried. Since it was the Jewish day of pre preparation and the tomb was near at hand, they laid Jesus there.
If you have been following Pope Francis in these days, you will have noticed that he went to a church in the centre of Rome called San, Marce San Marcello al Corso a few weeks ago. Where this church is located, it's the busiest street in the centre of Rome, but because of the restrictions, he was walking alone. The streets were abandoned and only a few security officials stood some distance away from him. He'd gone to this particular church to visit a famous crucifix in Rome that over the centuries people in time of plague have made visits to and have great devotion to and great trust in. It has a special place in the affection of the Roman people. Pope Francis asked that this same crucifix be brought to St Peter's and in the, that memorable day in which he spoke to the world from that empty square, this same crucifix stood just behind him. Before entering the basilica itself, he simply stopped to pray before it, again praying for the many people throughout the world in our own time to be saved from this great plague that is sweeping through the world. It was a very moving moment. He looked overwhelmed and many of us watching felt the same too. The thought of those countless millions of people throughout the world who might be infected with all of this was overwhelming. And even the richest of nations unable now to cope. The poorest of nations who in the best of times struggle with medical care, what would happen to all of these people? Pope Francis simply stood silently before the figure of the dead Christ on this cross. And there was a profound silence. He never uttered a word, just looked, bowed, and then kissed the figure of the crucified Christ. There was something very powerful in that scene of this man on his own standing before the crucifix, the body of Christ, broken and bleeding, the crucified Christ dead in the cross. Before it, all the questions flood out. Why all this suffering? Why all this pain and misery? Why all this sad sadness and distress? Before all this sadness, why does God seem to remain silent? But of course, God doesn't remain silent. The figure on the cross is his answer. The broken body, the man crowned with thorns, the figure nailed to the cross, the body run through with the lance. This is God's answer. Jesus himself dies a death like us. He shares the same suffering as us. He has been reviled. He has died the lowest of deaths. He suffers the greatest of punishments. God is not silent. For he comes 
to shoulder our crosses, to share our suffering and pain. God is not silent before the great moments of human suffering. This is his answer. He shares the sufferings and redeems it through the mystery of the cross. In St Peter's Square, the rain poured down and the darkness fell. And Pope Francis stood before the cross that he had taken from San Marcello. Like many others who have come before this cross in times of plague, he prayed that Christ himself would come to the aid of the afflicted in our own time. Turning to Christ on this cross, he uttered the same prayers to Christ that had been said over the centuries, believing that in this figure there is our only hope. Today we stand before the cross on this Good Friday. We gaze at that figure, crowned with thorns, nailed to the cross, slumped in the wood and run through with the lance. God is not silent before the horrors and tragedies of the world. He has come amongst us and is with us and he dies on the cross for us. He has come to give us this sign, to give us his answer. He is with us in our sufferings in our terrors and miseries, in the great calamities of life and in the great calamities for the world. Here is his sign. Here is his answer. His own son takes on human flesh in the life of Jesus, is crowned with thorns, nailed to the cross, and run through with the spear. Here's the sign. Here's his final answer. Here is what God has to say. That he loves each one of us and that he has sent his son into the world to die for us. Let us pray, dearly beloved, for the Holy Church of God, that our God and Lord may be pleased to give us peace, to guard the Church, to unite her throughout the whole world, and grant that leading our life in tranquillity and quiet, we may glorify God the Father Almighty. Almighty ever-living God, who in Christ revealed your glory to the nations, watch over the works of your mercy that your church spread throughout all the world, may persevere with steadfast faith in confessing your name through Christ our Lord. Let us pray also for our most holy Father, Pope Francis, that our God and Lord, who chose him from the order of bishops 
may keep him safe and unharmed for the Lord's holy church to govern the holy people of God. Almighty ever-living God, by whose decree all things are founded, look with favour on our prayers and in your kindness protect the Pope chosen for us, that under him the Christian people governed by their maker may grow in merit by reason of their faith. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Let us pray for Bishop Joseph and for all bishops, priests and deacons of the Church and for all the faithful people. Almighty ever-living God, by whose spirit the world, the whole body of the Church is sanctified and governed, hear our humble prayer for your ministers, that by the gift of your grace all may serve you faithfully, through Christ our Lord. For Catechumens Let us pray for Catechumens that our God and Lord may open wide the ears of their inmost hearts and unlock the gates of his mercy, that having received forgiveness of all their sins through waters of rebirth, they too may be one with Christ. Almighty ever-living God, who make your church ever fruitful with new offspring, increase the faith and understanding of our catechumens that reborn in the fonts of baptism they may be added to the number of your adopted children. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Let us pray also for our brothers and sisters who believe in Christ, that our God and Lord may be pleased as they live the truth, to gather them together and keep them in his one church. Almighty ever-living God, who gather what is scattered and keep together what you have gathered, Look kindly on the flock of your Son, that those whom one baptism has consecrated may be joined together by integrity of faith and united in the bond of charity, through Christ our Lord. Let us pray also for the Jewish people to whom the Lord our God spoke first, that he may grant them to advance in love of his name and in faithfulness to his covenant. Almighty ever-living God, who bestowed your promises on Abraham and his descendants, graciously hear the prayers of your church, that the people you first made your own may attain the fullness of redemption. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Let us pray also for those who do not believe in Christ, that enlightened by the Holy Spirit, they too may enter into the way of salvation. Almighty ever-living God, Grant to those who do not confess Christ that by walking before you with a sincere heart they may find the truth, and that we ourselves, being constant in mutual love and striving to understand more fully the mystery of your life, may be made more perfect witnesses in your love to the world. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Let us pray also for those who do not acknowledge God that following what is right in sincerity of heart, they may find the way to God himself. Almighty ever-living God, who created all people, to seek you always by desiring you and by finding you, come to rest, grant we pray, that despite every harmful obstacle, all may recognise the signs of your fatherly love and the witness of the good works 
done by those who believe in you, and so in gladness confess you, the one true God and Father of our human race, through Christ our Lord. Let us pray also for those in public office, that our God and Lord may direct our minds and hearts according to his will, for the true peace and freedom of all. Almighty ever-living God, in whose hand lies every human heart and the rights of peoples, look with favour, we pray, on those who govern with authority over us, that throughout the whole world, the prosperity of peoples, the assurance of peace, the freedom of religion, may through your gift be made secure. We ask this through Christ our Lord. For those in tribulation, let us pray, dearly beloved, to God the Father Almighty, that he may cleanse the world of all errors, banish disease, drive out hunger, unlock prisons, loosen fetters, grant, granting to travellers safety, to pilgrims return, health to the sick, and salvation to the dying. Almighty ever-living God, comfort of mourners, strength of all who toil, may the prayers of those who cry out in any tribulation come before you, that all may rejoice, because in their hour of need your mercy was at hand. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Let us pray also for those who suffer the consequences of the current pandemic, that God the Father may grant health to the sick, strength to those who care for them, comfort to families, and salvation to all victims who have died. Almighty ever-living God, only support of our human weakness, look with compassion upon the sorrowful condition of your children who suffer because of this pandemic. Relieve the pain of the sick, give strength to those who care for them, welcome into your peace those who have died, and throughout this time of tribulation, grant that we may all find comfort in your merciful love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Behold, behold the wood of the cross on which is hung our salvation. O come, let us adore. Behold, behold the wood of the cross on which is hung our salvation. O come, let us adore. 
which is hung, our salvation. O come, let us
at the Saviour's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may always be free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who have restored us to life by the blessed death and resurrection of Christ, preserve in us the work of your mercy, that by sharing in this mystery we may have a life unceasingly devoted to you, through Christ our Lord. May abundant blessing, O Lord, we pray, descend upon your people, who have honoured the death of your Son in the hope of their resurrection. May pardon come, comfort be given, holy faith increase, and everlasting redemption be made secure. We ask this through Christ our Lord. 